A reading from Psalms 148, verses 1 through 14. Praise the Lord. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of earth and all people, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. He has raised up a horn from it for his people. Praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. This psalm focuses on praising God. We praise God to remind ourselves of his love and thank him for everything he has given us. So if praising God is so important, then how do we do it? There's many ways to praise God. One of them is through worship. At Riverside, we worship God in our beautiful sanctuary with organ and stained glass windows in a traditional way. I have grown up here appreciating the sanctuary during church, youth group, and RPDS chapel. Another way the youth group worships is at Montreat. At Montreat, we worship in Anderson Auditorium, which is a huge circular space that sits roughly 2,000 people. We sing contemporary Christian songs with the guitar and projectors which inspired us in some of today's worship. Another way we worship in Montreat is on Wednesday morning, when we wake up before the sunrise and hike Mount Lookout, a mountain in Montreat. When we get to the top, we sit together and pray as we watch the sunrise. All these styles of worship praise God, and one is not better than the other because they all serve the same purpose, and that's what is important. It doesn't matter where, when, how, or who we worship with, the only thing that matters is why, and that's to praise God and thank him for everything he has given us. There's also many ways to praise God outside of worship when we leave the sanctuary and the gates of Montreat or wherever we are. Spreading God's love by being nice to someone and showing others the love that God shows to each of us is praising God. Last summer during Urban Plunge, we spent three days learning about Jacksonville by volunteering at nonprofits, navigating the city bus system and walking around downtown. Before we left the youth house and went anywhere, Mary Elizabeth told us that we had to say, hi, how are you, to every single person we passed, no matter how different they looked or acted from us. We were all a little skeptical of this at first, but once we saw how everyone reacted when Mary Elizabeth said hi, we saw how important it was. Mary Elizabeth showed us how important it is to praise God by showing others the same love by walking down the street that God shows us every day. Praising God is also caring for his creation that he gave us. It can be picking up a piece of trash on the side of the road or planting a new tree. I see people praising God every day at the Sanctuary on 8th Street. The Sanctuary on 8th Street is a nonprofit after-school program and summer camp in Springfield that provides a safe and enriching environment for children who might not otherwise receive it. I see the staff at the Sanctuary on 8th Street praising God by spreading his love and using their time, talents, and dedication to help others. I see the students praising God by letting their friend borrow a pencil or helping others with homework. 
I see the children praising God when on their annual Christmas shopping trip to Target, where each student has $100 to spend for their Christmas present, the first thing they choose to do is buy presents for their mom. Through all of these experiences, I am continually inspired to praise God in many ways, no matter where I am. A reading from Revelation 21, 5 through 6. And to the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. When reading the scripture, it was at first hard to decide which aspect of it I wanted to preach about. In those three sentences alone, there are numerous morals to be taught. But the line that stood out to me the most is when Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of life. I thought this part was compelling because as I see it, Jesus is basically reiterating to John that from the beginning of the time to the end, God is there and throughout that long period, he will provide. Every way he bestows blessings among you are those little drops of water from what Jesus calls the spring of life. Now, relating to Revelation certainly isn't the easiest thing I've written, but what I believe I can relate to is the providing part. There have certainly been times in my life where God has provided for me during new and changing times. The first thing that came to mind actually dates back to a normal afternoon on August 2nd, 2021. We were relaxing around the house when bam, the loudest thunderclap I've ever heard. We didn't really suspect anything until smoke started to rise out from under our floorboards. Everything went by in a flash, and before I knew it, we were sitting at our neighbors, the Mukeses, watching fire trucks speed down, to that, down the street to our house on a span of five minutes. From then on, I knew my life was about to change. I had only moved three times in 13 years, yet what lay ahead was four moves in the span of, if, in the span of three months while they fixed our house. Now, I am not one for change, so at that point, I was terrified. I didn't like being in a new house, a different bed, without the comfort of my room. And then, just as I was getting used to a house, we packed up and moved again. Do not get me wrong, they were all in nice homes, and I was very fortunate to be able to have a house to stay in. See, it is in those aspects God provided for me and my family in times of uncertainty. I didn't realize this at the time, but now looking back, I see three different ways God gave us our water when we were thirsty. First, God provided through the people around us. We were so grateful to have grandparents that lived near us and friends that helped support us throughout. People brought us meals and my grandparents, grandparents graciously gave up their home to us to stay in between moves. This drop of water God provided, I would call generosity. Next, there was a drop of comfort and safety. Although it was a lot of moving, we were very fortunate to be provided with safe and reliable housing. We needed a place to live, and with the comfort of God leading us, we were soon provided with a roof over our heads. The final drop of water was strength. This applies both to our family and the contractors. During times of unknown, it was important that as a family, we could lean on each other, and I believe God provided us with the strength to do so. When I needed comforting, my family was there for me. And also, God provided strength and diligence for the contractors and construction workers. Reconstructing the whole middle of a house is not easy, but with God helping the workers and having their backs, they, will, they were able to get it done in three months. So I want to leave you all with this question. Where is God dropping water in your lives? If you can't think of an immediate answer to this, try stepping into a different perspective. Because humans naturally get stuck in their own point of view. I know I do. We don't always instantly see what God has in store for us until we take a true moment of reflection. 
to remember that God is with us from the beginning to the end, the good times and the bad times. He will always provide, even if it is not in the way you might think. We know how hard it is. We know how hard it is it can be to sit still for a long time, so we'd like to give you a short break where we, where we get to know each other. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to get up and meet someone you have never met and find out one thing you have in common. Okay, ready? Go and find someone new. Okay. Okay. Now, now find one more person you don't know and share what brought you to Riverside. Okay, find one new person. Find one new person. Okay, thanks so much for participating in our brief intermission. You may be seated. Let the worship service continue. Before the sermons resume, we're going to do a display of skits from John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Excuse me, sir, do you have any spare change? I give you a new commandment that you love one another. So let's try that again. Excuse me, sir, do you have any spare change? I don't have any spare change, but I'm going to get something to eat. Would you like something? Yes, please. Could I have a McChicken with no bread? Okay. Thank you. Where's my phone? Eli, did you take it? No, I did not. I give you a new commandment that you love one another, so let's try that again. Hey, Eli, could you help me find my phone? Of course. Strike three, you're out. Oh, come on, William. You're the reason we're going to lose this game. I give you a new commandment that you love one another, so let's try that again. Strike three, you're out. It's okay, William. You'll do better next time. What are those shoes? They look weird. I give you a new commandment that you love one another, so let's try that again. What are those shoes? They look awful. Don't be mean. Don't be mean to him. He's my friend. I give you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You should also love one another. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The scripture today is a lot like the golden rule. You've heard it over and over again. Treat others as you would want to be treated. But how can you implement this in your life? Sometimes it can be some big grand action, like saving somebody's life or, de or dedicating your life to a good cause. But most of the time, it's the little things you can do to show you're a disciple of God. These little things can include just holding the door for someone to just saying hi. I see examples of this everywhere, from people here at church being friendly and making sure everyone is welcomed, or school, where people frequently greet each other in the halls filled with over 1,000 students. Kids also congratulate each other for doing something impressive, like doing well on a test or nailing a three-pointer in PE. One friend I have who always does this is a kid named Quinn, and he's a little weird, but he's also very kind. He always says hi to everyone he knows in the halls and is very welcoming to you no matter what you look like or who your other friends are. This is important because to show you are really a disciple of God, you need to be all-encompassing with your love and not treat some people differently because you don't know them very well or you've had a bad experience with them. This includes the people you see occasionally, but also the people you see all the time, like your family or your closest friends. It can be easy to overlook these people, but it's important to be caring and loving to them too. So as you go out into the world, try to show you are a disciple of God through the little things. A reading from Acts chapter 11, verses 15 through 18. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John, baptize with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hither God. When they heard this, they were silenced, and then praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Peter got a vision from God about leaving to go preach to the, to the Gentiles. So Peter went out and preached the word of the Lord. After returning to Jerusalem, he is immediately questioned for what he did. Anyone who went out and preached the gospel to Gentiles had broken the law under the Mosaic law. Peter told them, I had a vision from God. The thing Peter did was, yes, unlawful, but it showed me something. Peter reached out to someone who wasn't in his community or group. He went out and did something because God told him to. He accepted people when others didn't. He didn't preach the word of the Lord to make him look better or act cooler. He did it because he was told to. Earlier last year, my friends and I went outside to eat lunch. I saw this girl from my algebra class that I knew, but we weren't really friends. I felt this need to go over and talk to her. I wanted to know why she was sitting alone. So I walked over and asked her. She said her other friends didn't want to sit outside, but she wanted to. I told her, come sit with my friends, and from, the, from that moment on, she sat at the lunch table every day. One year later, and Emma is one of my best friends. When I was writing this to figure out a story to tell you all today, I thought of that moment and texted her. I told her she was gonna be in my sermon. She replied, that's great, but what about me? What did I do? So I reminded her of that day, and she knew exactly what I was talking about because that day is so important. Instead of getting my side of the story, I wanted to ask hers because what I thought was probably different than what she thought. Emma told me that coming into our group was a little weird at first, but she didn't know what, what she didn't know if we would like her or accept her in the group. 
but after we started talking at lunch, she realized we thankfully weren't bad, that bad after all. So we hung out every day, and here we are now. Peter was the person that, we went at, that went over and reached out to the people who needed it or wanted to feel loved. The Gentiles were the outcast, and many didn't like them. They thought of them as dirty and immoral. Reaching out to the people that no one likes or that people think are weird, that's what Peter did. He, he followed the words Lord and went to the Gentiles. I think when we ask someone if they want to sit with us or hang out with them, we only think about ourselves and the way it makes us feel. But there's always another side. When we ask for someone, when we ask to hang out, what do you think that you made the other person feel like? You probably made their day and made them feel included. If God hadn't given me that little push to walk over there to that table, who knows what my friend group would look like today. Peter didn't care what people thought. He cared about the Gentiles. He wanted to help. He wanted to help them and comfort them and preach the gospel, and that's what is important. I'm not saying go up to random people and start talking about God, but doing certain things and being kind to people is what the disciples did. You're doing exactly what God wanted his disciples to do. Peter let people into his group. He loved others when some didn't. That's what I want you to learn from today. Love others even if they don't fit in your standard of being your friend. Reach out to those people and try and make their day. God is always with you through this. Remember that. He truly loves you. Amen.